Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, those of you who have been here uh, recently know that we're in a sermon series entitled Why? And we are trying to understand the significance of some really big spiritual truths. And then as well as we're going to get into some very practical truths about how we live our lives as Christians. And so uh, today's a little different day, but I thought, well, hey, maybe I could kind of plug mothers in there and say, why mothers? And I thought, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you moms. I'm going to give you a different kind of sermon today. So I just want to say happy Mother's Day to you again. Um, motherhood is an amazing thing, and it really starts it, sort of as a miracle, doesn't it, when you think of if you start, ever study the, the science of conception and what happens and, and how from that single cell everything develops and it develops the way it's supposed to and that, that moms, that this all happens inside of you. It's, it, it's hard to kind of get that my head around that, you know, that how, how God has done that. It's a miraculous, awesome thing. And then comes childbirth, which I'm very familiar with, not, <laughs> did go through it six times with my wife, uh, but something happened in our world, uh, back in Genesis we read about it, the sin came into our world and sin really complicated the whole childbearing and child rearing process, and all of a sudden the childbearing became very, very painful. That's why women have babies and not men. You know? I, I just, I can't even imagine. And so that's the idea, you know. It's, it's funny to me because us guys, you know, the baby comes and we walk in and say, we had a baby. We had a baby. No, you didn't. <laughs> she had the baby. And it is your, your all's baby together. Uh, but, you know, we just don't want to. How many of you men say, yeah, I'd like to give birth? Okay, so we have no takers today. Uh, and so it, it starts off with this, this, being a mother starts off with this wonder and the miraculous and, and life. And then all of a sudden there's the, sometimes the sickness and then the pain of childbirth. And, and it's a mixed experience all the way through, isn't it, moms? Blessing, 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 but also difficult, difficult, difficult. And that's the reality. That's the way it is. And, and moms and dads uh, are different how they look at raising their children and what that's all about, okay? Um, so you may have heard, you know, sometimes some people try to talk about the difference between men and women, that men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. Have you heard that? Okay, yeah. And the idea is that we as men sort of have compartmental, we have boxes that we keep things in. We have a box for work, we have a box for our marriage, we have a box for the house, we have a box for the kids. Okay? And so if you ask us, do we have kids, or you ask about our kids, we go over here, oh, and we open the kid box. Yeah, I got kids. 
And then we can look at them and deal with them and talk about them and all that kind of shit, shut the box and go back to whatever else we were doing. Now, for moms, it's not like that. For moms, everything is connected to everything. And that's why they call it like spaghetti, how everything is connected to everything. And, and so, you know, you ask your mom about her kids, and it's, everything is related in some way. Now, that's, that's why we, we guys get in trouble. Okay? Yeah, because... <laughs> Because what happens, whether it's about the kids or anything, is all of a sudden our wife starts talking to us about it. And we, go, we start flipping through the boxes. Wait, wait, which box? But it, oh, here we are. And by this time, what's happened? She's on to the next thing. Wait, whoa, wait, wait. And you want to respond. You think, and then next thing you know, you, put, you get to this box, you pop this box open, and there's no words in this box. <laughs> and you don't know what to do. But for women, it's not like that. It's, it's all intertwined. And God made you that way. And that makes you perfectly shaped to be a mother. And, and to see all of those connections. Because sometimes moms have feelings about their kids, right? And us husbands, we want to say, well, why? And you want the logic and explain to me your reasoning, all that kind of stuff. And they can't, but it, they just know. That's because it's all interconnected somewhere. You know, the Bible even talks about this. The, the, the difference in how men and women view uh, being a parent and the children. In the book of Proverbs, we find this distinction. For example, in one place it says, I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in my mother's sight. You see the difference there? The relationship between dad and son and mom and son? Yep, I was my dad's son. I was the tender and only beloved in my mother's sight. And then it talks about, it's talking about when you do good. It says, your father and your mother shall be glad, and she who bore you will rejoice. Yeah, they're glad, but mom rejoices because she's connected. There's a connection that goes deep, and it's all, everything is intertwined for her. Now, that works in a hard direction, too. Because another example here, let's go on to the next one if you would there. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. See, it, God here in the inspiration of scriptures points out to mom that moms just bear this weight with respect to their children. And then a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. She feels that. She is so intertwined with that. We even see this illustrated somewhat in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, Simon, um, or Simeon, Simeon told her in the temple that, what was, you know, that her son was going to fulfill all these prophecies. And then he says to her, to the mother, he says to you, a sword is going to pierce through your heart because of what's going to happen to your, your child. And we also see that when he had gone to the temple, remember they had lost Jesus and couldn't find him, they finally found him, and then he goes back with him. It says, then he... Why don't you go on to the next one, if you would, there. It says, Then he, Jesus, went down with them, his parents, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And, and the idea here is that she pondered these things. You know, she observed and she thought on these things and wondered because it's all wrapped up in her heart. It's all intertwined for her. And it makes a huge difference in the life of her children. 
It's where Proverbs tells us, when talking about the Proverbs 31 woman and how she's faithful mother. And at the end it says this, her children rise up and call her blessed. It makes a difference. What you do really, really matters, moms. Now, what you do also wears you out, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Um, I mean, I remember, you know, being tired with our little ones, but not the same way my wife was tired with our little ones. I remember, I think, when we were coming down toward the end, she would talk about having another child, and, and my wife saying, well, only if you'll agree to get up at night. Because I can sleep through it all. And I can wake up, but so I, I yes, yes, I'll do that. But still, my role was to get up and go get the baby and bring the baby to mom. And then I went back to sleep. And sometimes she'd wake me back up and tell me to take the baby back. But not always. But the point is, for her, it was, it's 24-7. For me, there's times when I was on duty and times when I'm not on duty. Now, as a father, I understand I'm always on duty in certain ways. But motherhood wears moms out. It wears them out when the children are little and just, you know, every little thing, they need mom for it. Then when they get older and they start to run around and, and a different kind of relationship there and mom's intertwined, she stays busy taking care of them from night, morning till night and then they become teenagers and that's a whole nother ball game, okay? And, and she interacts with them there and invests herself from morning till night and if there's... Uh, if there's something, you know, inevitably what happens is by the time that there's something that goes along with being a teenager. And by the way, I love you guys, you teens, okay? I'm not putting you down at all. We're just talking about the way life goes. By the time they hit their teenage years, especially their older years, if they want to have a meaningful conversation, they get to you and they really want to talk to you about something, you know when it happens, don't you? It's when you're like this, and I think I'll go to bed, and they say, Mom... And it's time to talk. And, and so it just doesn't stop. And then your children grow up and get married and leave the home. And, and in some ways it gets easier, but in some ways it gets harder. And that burden that moms feel, it never goes away. That intertwining of the heart never goes away. And so sometimes things get really heavy and hard even then and just wears on you. Well, really, that happens to all of us in life in different places and times, doesn't it? The things that we have to do in life and, and that we can all begin to feel tired and weary. What I want to do is look at a passage of Scripture today that addresses that for us. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. That's page 1341 in the Bible that's in the pew. We'd encourage you to follow along with us there. Galatians chapter 6. Now, at this point in the letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul has been talking about bearing each other's burdens, helping each other out, uh, being willing to do that. Uh, and then he talks about the, how you should treat the people who have shared the word of God with you, those who teach you. And he talks about how you should uh, share what you have with them to help meet their needs because of what they've done for you. And then he, then he goes to this principle 
that is so much bigger than this specific context. And that's what we want to look at here today, starting in verse number seven. And so, you know, this, again, what we're looking at from the word of God here is for all of us. But I think before we're done, moms, you'll see that it really, really applies to what you do as a mother. Verse number seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's, let's talk to God here before we finish talking about this. Father, thank you for your word, how that it is alive. And I pray that you would use it today to go down and show us the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Show us what we um, need to see differently. Remind us of what we need to continue to see right. And all of this, Father, I pray that we would yield ourselves to you and let you have your way in our lives as we look at your word today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, back there in verse number seven, be not deceived. Why do you suppose God says be not deceived? Because you're quite capable of being deceived about things. That's the way it started at the very beginning with Adam and Eve, right? Uh, Satan comes along and he deceives her. And, and, and all the problems you know, that came in our world. So deception is the enemy's biggest, really it's his, his biggest tool that he uses against us. To get us to believe things that are not true. And that's true for every one of us as Christians. But moms, it's, it's very true for you too. If he can get you to believe things about yourself or about your children or about how that all works that are not true. He's going to throw a big monkey wrench into your role as a mother. And um, the enemy, Satan, has targeted women. Targeted mothers. Because he knows that if he can impact you as a woman and therefore then you as a mother and get you on the wrong track or believe the wrong things or think the wrong things are the solutions, all of that, he knows if he can do that, that he can mess with a whole generation of people. And everybody gets fixed. So be not deceived, okay? Then he says this, God is not mocked. The idea is you, what God has said is true. And if you want to depart from that, don't think, oh, I'm going to change this and make it work differently. You're not. What God has said is true. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay, we, we understand the analogy, don't we? If we plant corn, what do we get? We plant strawberries, we get strawberries. We plant green beans, we get green beans. Um, and so... This is a, a, an immutable law of nature. And it is a spiritual law as well. That what we sow is what we will reap. And I'll talk more about the things that we can sow. But as I was as, uh, talking with God, with God about this the other day and praying through this, it just hit me. And I said, okay, wait. Let me say this to myself. What I sow is what I will reap. What I sow is what I will reap. What I sow, I will reap. What I sow, I will reap. Now, maybe you think I'm a little slow, and i got to say it to myself a lot of times. But I want you to realize, it hit me that I know this truth. 
but I don't always live by it. Now, I live by it whether I want to or not. But you understand what I'm saying? I don't consciously think about it and make my decisions accordingly. So understand this. If you, know, if you could just get this in your mind. Hey, what I sow is what I'm going to reap. Notice the decisions I make have consequences. Things follow. There is a logical consequence between this choice and what is going to come. And sometimes we don't, we don't stop and think about it. What do we do? We just think about this choice and make the choice. Say, wait a minute. This choice is going somewhere. What I reap, I will, I mean, excuse me, what I sow, I will reap. You know, and if you can make yourself somehow or rather think that about all the decisions that come into your life, you know, whether they're big life decisions or whether they're even small, seemingly inconsequential decisions, every decision, every choice that you make, everything that you do leads to something. And so if you remember that, then you want to say, well, what, what does it lead to? What does this decision lead to? And so that's what the next verse talks about. Let's look at that. He says, for he who sows to his flesh, stop, sowing to your flesh. The flesh is what comes natural to you as a human being. It includes sinful tendencies, not always sinful. It may just include foolish tendencies or just whatever feels good tendencies. But he says, if, if that is how you make your decisions, I'm making my decisions on what seems natural to me, what seems easiest at the moment. Have you ever made a decision like that? what seemed easiest at the moment, or what is going to provide what seems like some instant gratification here. He says, if you make your decisions that way, he says, you will reap corruption. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. When I just go my own way, and what seems natural to me, what makes sense to me, what feels good to me, it doesn't ever produce any good thing. Now, this is true for all of us here today. It's not just true for me, not just true for the grown-ups. Young people, teens, those of you children here who are, are not teens yet, listen, this is so true. When you say, I'm going to go do what I want to do the way I want to do it because I don't care if it's right or not because it's, it feels good and it's what I want right now, no good thing ever comes out of that. Nothing. Let that sink in for a while. Haven't we all experienced the consequences of choices like that? Anybody besides me? We experience that, don't we? No good thing. And so remember, what I reap, I'm going to sow. The choices I make have consequences. And if the choices I'm making are not based on what God says in his word, they're not based on God's wisdom, they're not based on the spirit of God moving me along. If they aren't, if they are anything else, they go to bad places. Now, what's the lie? What's the deception? The deception is, is that, oh, this is going to make you feel good. This is going to make you feel important. This is going to make you feel accepted. This is exciting. This will help you not feel the pain. Whatever, all those things. And that's the lie. And it might immediately, but guess what? Do you remember what, how um, uh, God describes Moses' choice? 
In the book of Hebrews, it talks about Moses' choice. And Moses was a prince in Pharaoh's court. And, and, but for him to stay there and to not identify himself with God and his people would have been sin for him. And it says that Moses chose to do what's right instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a little while. And so it is that choice. Can you think in your life about times that you've embarked down that road? How ugly is it? It never took you to a good place. It always used you up. And so the other choice is instead of doing, making that kind of decision, I've already sort of talked about it. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And this is not talking about, oh, if you'll sow to the Spirit, you'll get to go to heaven. He's talking about that instead of corruption, and, and let me see if I can contrast these words a little bit. Have you ever opened up your refrigerator and all of a sudden went, ooh, there's something bad in there, right? Some of you probably keep your refrigerator cleaned out, and my wife does a good job too, but once in a while something sneaks past. You know one of the worst things I ever smelled in my house? That's a strange thing to be talking about in a sermon, isn't it? <laughs> we try to figure out what happened is that we had a bag of potatoes. And it is amazing how bad a potato smells when it goes rotten. That's the idea, the corruption, the decay, that's the movement toward death. When you sin, something dies and it begins to stink in your life. So that's that idea of corruption, if you could put that picture into your life and what it's like. But on the, when you talk about the spirit, you're talking about this everlasting life that, that you, you benefit from. That, that, you know, when you've come to Christ, you have everlasting life. It is in you. And when you sow to the spirit, all of a sudden you start to reap the benefits of that everlasting life. It is living. It's not dying. It is fresh. It is not old and decaying. It's, it's energizing, strengthening that's what happens. You make a good choice. Now, now here's the, the, where the, the deception comes in again. Because it seems like the sinful choices, the flesh choices that we make when we sow to the flesh, seem like they have some immediate reward with long-term problems that follow. But when we sow to the Spirit, sometimes it doesn't seem like there's any immediate reward. You know, okay, I did what God said. Doesn't seem like anything's changed. But here's the reality. When you sow, what did we say? What I sow, what? I will reap. And if I sow to the Spirit, then down the line, I am going to reap all the benefits of the life of God, this everlasting life. I'm going to experience it in this life. And so that's the choice we're faced with every time. Every choice that you make has this kind of ramifications to it. So then we get to verse 9. He says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. In, in verse number 9, he's really, really want to help moms you to see and apply these truths to you. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Has anybody here ever been doing good and got weary because of it? Yeah. So doing good, let's talk about this. Doing good uh, is really just doing whatever you're supposed to be doing. 
What has God given you to do? If you're a mother, he's giving you that role. If you're a dad, you got that role. A husband, a wife, you have that role. You're to be doing those things. If you have a job, you're to be doing those things. You're to be sharing your faith, to be doing those things. Whatever it is that's the right thing for you to be doing at any given point in time, is this doing good? And so when I think about this for moms, okay, mom, here's what God says. Don't get tired. How does that work? What does it mean? And let us not. Let us not grow weary while doing good. It hit me like this. I was thinking about this. Um, You can't help but get tired when you're working hard. You just do. So God can't be talking specifically about not getting tired. And so I envisioned this. A number of years ago, we were on family vacation, and all of us decided to climb Mount Lafayette up in the Franconia Notch. How many of you are familiar with Mount Lafayette? Not a lot of you. It's a big mountain. Okay? It's about an eight-mile round trip, and, but it's about 900 feet, over 900 feet a mile on average going up. And, and so I decided I'm going to climb this mountain with my family. Well, I made it. And, you know, step by step up the mountain and stop and breathe. Well, step by step and up the mountain and, and breathe. I made it. What amazing views, right? And all the experience. And, and, and then we start down the mountain. Okay? Well, there are two Somehow are the laws of nature that apply to people who are overweight when they hike on the mountain. And the first one is the trail gets long. It's longer on the way down than it is on the way up. I don't understand that. It always seems longer on the way down. But the second thing is it just pounds. It pounds on your ankles, your knees, your hips. And, and I remember walking down and, and finally my family just said, go on ahead. Going ahead. And I'm walking and making it. Finally, I get down there. I think I was probably an hour after the first one arrived. And I get down there and, and made a huge mistake. Got in the car, sat down, and drove 40 minutes. And then it was time to get out of the car. I kid you not, you know, putting feel like I could barely stand. My muscles were so exhausted and my joints so hammered and and then we 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 pulled in and what we're doing is we're going to one of the kids places for dinner upstairs <laughs> i kid you not i mean i really i had to hold on to the rail because my knee legs were just doing this you ever been that way elaine you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so uh so you, you know, you could have told me, hey, don't get weary climbing the mountain. So I can tell you, don't get weary as a mom. Right. It's going to happen, isn't it? And so I think what we have to understand is just like, I mean, I, I didn't give up on climbing mountains for the most part. <laughs> but uh, the idea is there's nothing wrong with climbing the mountain and nothing wrong with getting tired of it. 
If I'd have said, that's it, you know, it's wrong to climb mountains. I will never do that again. I would have missed the point of what was going on. Well, same thing here. Be not, let us not grow weary while doing good. The whole idea here is, is beginning to devalue the doing good. It's not worth it to do good. It's too hard. This choice that I have to make here right now is just overwhelming to do good and what I'm supposed to do, and I I don't think it's worth it. I, I just don't think it's worth it anymore. That's what God is talking about here. He's not talking about don't get tired. He's saying don't get tired to where you throw in the towel on doing good. And so sometimes, you know, you may need to purposely take a break so you can keep doing good. And there may be times when you need to take a break, but you just can't. What do you do then? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. So let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. For every one of you is a Christian. When you're looking at this decision, you say, I've got to make a decision that sows to the Spirit. It's a God-honoring decision. It's consistent with His Word. I've got to make this decision. But I just can't see how it's going to make a difference. I can't see how this is going to solve anything. But I know I'm supposed to do it. The promise is, you will reap. It will come when the time is right. You know, there are some things that we plant in our gardens. If you've ever gardened and tried to, you know, vegetable gardening. There's some things you plant in your garden that come up very quickly. You can, they, you can actually see them come up quickly and you can eat them for too long. Things like radishes. You can do that. And there are the other things that you plant that seem to take a long time to even come up. And it takes a long time and a longer time and a longer time. And some things you don't even get to harvest until the fall. Right? It takes a long time. Well, that's the way things are in life. This thing, this investment that you make in your child, moms, this investment you make in a relationship, this investment you make in doing what's right in any given situation, and you do that and you, you keep doing that, you will reap. Didn't we always say, what I sow, I will reap? It's going to happen. It will happen, but you have to remember that, see? That's why Paul's telling us, hey, let's don't get weary in doing good, because we're going to reap. The time is coming. The time will come when you will be so glad that you so do the Spirit. You will be so glad. And by the way, sowing to the flesh, you can be assured you will have regret. Sow to the Spirit. No regret. You will reap. And, if, and it will happen in this life, but I guarantee you, when you leave this life and stand before Christ, you will be so glad you sowed to the Spirit. That you didn't give up on well-doing because I am so weary, I am so tired, I don't know how to put another foot in front of the other, I don't know how to get up and do it again, I don't know how I can do this. It is a hard place to be. Somehow God tells us, don't give up on it. We can do that. But then he says this, if we do not lose heart, there's the deal breaker. There's the deal breaker. 
Because what happens in, in your living life, and it gets busy and crazy, and sometimes you aren't even thinking, like I said, we're just making decisions, but you're wrestling with this. But if you lose heart, you'll stop fighting. And there's two ways you probably lose heart. One is to say, it just, it's not going to make any difference. I don't believe it's going to make any difference. And the other way to lose heart is to, to believe some lie that Satan tells you and entices you away from what's good and right and holy. And he entices you away. So we've got to say, no, I can't do that. I have to believe God here. Be not deceived, right? I've got to believe God. What's really true here? Okay, what's really true is I will, what I sow, I will reap. What's really true here is if I sow to the flesh, it might feel good initially, but it's taken me to a corrupt place. If I sow to the Spirit, though, it's going to bring good results, good fruit. So right now when I'm exhausted... I'm exhausted by life. I'm exhausted by my duties. Maybe I'm physically exhausted. I, I got to remember that. Not to give up on doing good. Don't give up on doing good. Don't give up on doing good. You will reap. You will reap the good. And so that applies to all of us. But can you see, moms, how it really, really applies to you and what you do? Let me give you a few takeaways here for you today. The first one is this, and I'm speaking to moms, but I'm speaking to all of us as well. But the first thing is this, you matter. You matter. That's one of the lies of Satan. He wants to come after you and get you to think that you don't matter. I just don't matter. Because of the way people are treating me or what is that? I don't matter. You do matter. And this is why the Apostle Paul is talking to people. Because they matter. This is why God gave us his word. Because you matter. You need to know. God cares. Here's what you need to know and understand. You matter. Secondly, what you do matters. Moms, what you do matters. That one more diaper matters. That one more... Time, working with your kid to get the room cleaned, matters. One more time, whatever it is, it matters. It's going to make a difference. And how do we know it matters? Because what you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap all the good things of the life of God. What you do matters. And here's the third thing. Only you can do it. Nobody else can be you. And you matter. And what you do matters. Nobody else can do it. Only you can do it. Nobody else can be your children's mother. Christians, men, women, uh, all of you, nobody else can be you in life and where God has planted you with the relationships that you have and the opportunities he's given you. Nobody else can be you. Only you can do it. And here's the thing that's easy to say. Much harder to do. Don't give up. You matter. What you do matters. Only you can do it. Don't give up. Now, how in the world do we pull that off? I only have one answer that I know to give you. And that's that you must become desperately dependent on God. 
desperately dependent on God. When you are so weary that you say, I don't know how in the world I can go on. I feel so beat up in life, I don't know how I can possibly go on. I can't see how in the world it's going to make any difference, and I'm so exhausted, how can I try again? All of those things that come true. But the only way to keep going, the only way not to become weary and well-doing is to become desperately dependent on God. Oh, God, I don't know the answers. I don't know how I can do it, but you have called me to do it. Oh God, I need you to somehow keep me going. Good news. Let me read you something here. And it'll be up on the screen there behind me as well. Isaiah chapter 40, talking about God. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? God is not weary. God is not fainting. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Talking about those who are the strongest and the most vital. Even they get worn out. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be what? Not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So how do we then not be weary and not faint? Waiting on the Lord. Becoming desperately dependent on the Lord. And I can't give you a formula about how to get there. It just has to become, be real from your heart to say, oh God, here I am. I desperately need you to work in my life. And he will. He absolutely will. Matt, why don't you come? We're going to come now, Matt, if you would. We're going to sing a song reminding ourselves that we need him. And how desperately we do need him. So right before we sing though, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And you've told us not to grow weary in well-doing. Oh God, we need your help with that. You know our tendency is to lose heart. And we pray that you will work in our lives in such a way that we will not lose heart. I pray for moms. This is especially today, Father. We need you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.